0: Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we hear from Richie Hall, defensive coordinator for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and how he's been dealing with the passing of his brother and why he wants to come back to work. He is back with the team now. Compelling stuff that you'll want to hear for sure. Also, Kim Davis, commissioner of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, stops by to take a look at how the first month or so of the season has gone. And I'll talk to my old college classmate, Marty Thompson, who works for the Canadian Premier League now, on the enormous win for Canada's men's national soccer team over the U.S. First win over the Americans in 34 years. That's all coming up on the podcast. We'll start with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and not really football today at practice as Richie Hall, defensive coordinator, spoke to the media for the first time since he returned to the team. Return to, well, as normal as you can get to things when your brother passes away, which is what happened for Richie. His brother Michael uh, died in Denver. And that's why he was not with the team for their last two games. So Hall today talked about losing his younger brother.
1: My brother, um, I don't know what the final thing was, cardiac arrest or whatever, but uh, um, he went in the hospital on a... on a Sunday, and then they pronounce him dead on a on a Wednesday. You know, so a lot of uh, a lot of things happen in a very short amount of time. And He was up here for the Banjo Bowl, you know, and then less than a month later, you know, um, saying goodbye to him. So it was, uh, you know, very something unexpected. But you know, you, you find a way to get through it. You know, that's that's life. Because everyone, you know, what what happened to our family is no different than what happens to every family.
2: You know, so. Nice to have this to come back to, Richie, to kind of get your mind off it a bit.
1: Yeah, you know, I think because it takes your mind away from it, but at the same time it's still it's still a challenge because it still creeps back into it because sure. that's that's the reality of life. But, it, you know, it makes you um, appreciate life just a little bit more just because you just never know when it's going to happen. You know, like I said, you know, one day we were talking, you know, we talked after the Hamilton game on the phone, okay, and then 48 hours later, you know, he's saying goodbye to him, so uh, you know, very precious. Life is very precious.
0: Richie Hall is 59 years old. Turned 59 a couple of weeks ago. His younger brother was about 18 months younger than him. And uh, Richie today asked if Michael was a big football guy. Oh, very much so.
1: You know, big Dallas Cowboy fan. You Did know, he play? They, Oh, he played in high school. Okay. You know, and uh, you know, he was an athlete and uh, you know, very competitive. You know, we had a lot of similarities and stuff, and you know, very close and. And you know, he's no longer here
0: and uh, Richie talked about his family it's not a a super big family but he said the importance of the friends that the family has was important throughout this process
1: you know first it was five in our family Now there's three It's just my dad my sister and myself you know so you know a few aunts and uncles you know a lot of cousins and stuff like that but as far as that tight-knit there's just not a lot of people you know but again the extended family has just been really what's carrying us through you know the people that michael has touched uh, the people that um that we've been involved with you know over the years and and currently has been uh the, the support has been outstanding
0: and on the topic of the people his brother have touched he spoke about what michael did for a living
1: um he's a retired police officer and you know he was working in a in an elementary school you know you know so um the kids you know because he had a he had a special effect on them and you know i know when they found out they had you know grief counselors there you know just because you know affecting young kids it's was he it's he a teaching to role or something um he was kind of a i don't know if they i don't know if the proper name was it was just kind of a, a resource type of an officer there at the school mm-hmm. you know so but he had a lot of contact with uh interaction with the with the kids and uh you know which all of a sudden there's one person there and now they're not there and and how do you explain you know how do they understand you know where it's not like he went away from a vacation he he's gone you know so i know i got a chance to meet some of them and i knew them over the years and stuff like that so you know they were taking it pretty hard of course uh what, what they will but you know kids are very resilient In time, as my dad would say, in time everything takes care of itself. But what is the element of time? Is it a week? Is it a month? Is it 10 years? But in time, you know, we'll all be all right.
0: And so, in the midst of all this, is it hard to go back to work?
1: It is, but it isn't. You know, um, it is just because, you know, you want to be, you know, with your family, you know, but at the same time, you know, life still goes on. And that's not being negative about the situation, but life still goes on because. Things are happening to people every day. Just happen to be with myself and our family, you know, and, and you still got a job that you got to do, you know. You still got to live, that's what I'm trying to say. You still got to live, you know. So uh, it makes it somewhat easier just because you have something else to do, you know. You, you can't spend your time moping and feeling sorry for yourself um, because you still got to pick yourself up. You said uh, you still got to go forward. But at the same time, you, know, you, you still take a step back and, you know, uh, you reflect on on what has happened, you know, and I guess, uh, you know, one of the challenging things is just because it's something that you can never be prepared for, and and it's an emotional thing, you know, because it kind of comes and goes, you know, and like I said, I'm not the first one that it happened to, and I won't be the last one, you know, we all experience it, and, you know, we all find a way to get through with it, and, you know, I found a way to get through with it, or I'm finding a way to get through with it, you know, great help from from the Bomber family, you know, the players, you know, texts and calls, and just showing their appreciation and their condolence and stuff, and uh, it's more than I could ever ask for, you know, and that makes it hard, too, because you you see the love that, that they, they've shown to me, and, you know, it's just in my wildest dreams. I've never imagined it. So going through all
2: that, dealing with Bo Levi Mitchell, maybe
1: not such a big deal, I <laughs> No, it, you know, <laughs> it makes it kind of happy, you know, just because uh, if that's the worst that's going to happen is, you know, us playing the Stampeders this week, then, then that's a pretty good thing. But, you know, we have, our, we have a challenge. You know, I thought that uh, we've done a good job the last couple of weeks, and uh, we have a good football team. You know, it's going to be a heck of a game, and we just have to go out there and play bomber-style football. And, you know, the biggest thing is that we can't beat ourselves. You know, we got to go out there. And as Coach O'Shea always talks about playing a clean game. If we play a clean game, then everything else would take care of itself.
0: And finally, was he actually able to watch much of the Bombers two games when he was away?
1: No. You know, something I, 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 I tried, you know, but just so many things going on and trying to stay awake and really just trying to stay focused, you know, as far as trying to watch it. But when I did watch it, you know, it was a different perspective because I was away from it. And, you know, never had... So much time during the season, you know, just to kind of, kind of, I wouldn't say you relax, but uh, have a different perspective, you know. So, uh, some things I learned about us, uh, some things that, you know, we're trying to make an adjustment and change just because you had a chance to, to evaluate from a different perspective.
0: Blue Bobber defensive coordinator Richie Hall say what you will about his defense. Have your thoughts on what he has or hasn't been able to do as a defensive coordinator in his time here, but from all accounts one of the more stand-up guys in the Canadian Football League and obviously our thoughts and I think everybody's thoughts should be with him and his family as he goes through this so keep that in mind. Now let's head back to the MGHLs. we welcome in the Commissioner of the League Kim Davis. Kim, how are you doing tonight? Uh, real good, Christian. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Let's start with the weather. How did that winter storm affect uh, play over the well the last week let's say
2: it, it actually had no effect because there was no play <laughs> <laughs> sorry i couldn't help myself that's okay uh, <laughs> actually uh and seriously uh the christian um, it, it actually had an, a major impact on on the mghl uh in the sense of uh, we had to uh, uh postpone a lot of games and uh, uh, yeah, as you, as you might recall, the, the, the storm started on Thursday. So we had games uh, on Friday, uh, three that were postponed five on Saturday and, and then two game, um, uh, one game on Sunday that, that was postponed. And, um, now it's just a matter of, uh, you know, working with the teams to get those games rescheduled. Uh, a couple of them have been, uh, rescheduled already. And, um, uh, we haven't announced those yet, but, um, uh, we're working on, on on the rescheduling component and should have all of those games i think there were nine in total that uh, that, that we'll have to reschedule that that we'll have all those to reschedule by uh, by friday
0: logistically how does that process work
2: well um it it, it it's kind of it kind of depends um it, you know for for some uh, arena facilities uh it, um, it 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 it's it's not really a problem but for others and it's very circumstantial it just depends on what else is going on in the the facility um in Steinbach, just for example they have a senior team playing there again this year which they haven't for for a few years and so that's another user in the building and so it it makes it a little bit more difficult with more more draw and on on the facility um but um and, and and in the case of Portage, uh, they've got a major curling event this year, so they're already just kind of strapped in that community with uh, with curling uh, uh, using the facility for a two-week period. I think in February and March. So it it really just kind of depends on 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 where the where the facility is and, and what else is going on in the building throughout the entire winter. So.
0: Just looking at the amount of games played right now, and I don't think this really has anything to do with the storm. But you look at a team like Swan Valley, Selkirk, they've each played eight. Dolphins played eight, uh, but then Winnipeg and Verdun have played thirteen games already. How do you explain that kind of imbalance?
2: Well, you know, we, we um, it, it's again, it's very circumstantial. It, it depends on on um, um, the the, the in, every team has their own kind of philosophy on how they want to. Play. How you know, how they want to set their schedule up, and we allow them to do that uh, in in this in the case uh, of some teams though like I mentioned uh, uh, portage for example, they cannot play any home games in a two to three week period in you know February and March. I just forget exactly the dates, so they have to work around that, and so um, you know that might be something along that line might be uh, at play with both of the the teams that you mentioned um, but um it's more likely that that they just wanted to to have certain parts of the season where they had more games played, and and other parts of the season where they wanted to have less. It 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 really just kind of uh, again is circumstantial, based on the team. Uh, most teams, though, however, uh, they do want to have kind of a, a more sort of balanced uh, uh, number of games within a monthly period, for example. So. Um, the the fact that uh, that those two teams you mentioned uh, have played quite a few more is uh, is really just a coincidence really at I think okay. at this time
0: and they do have a say in how that schedule goes down
2: yeah they 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 do that we allow the teams to make the schedule themselves and we do that in, in june uh, just to, just as a comparable uh, christian um uh, last night i i remember listening to uh another radio station here in Winnipeg. And they talked about how the Winnipeg Jets had played eight games already, or last night was their eighth game. And, uh, the team they were playing had only played four. So, you know, like it, it these things kind of, it, it just, the way that the schedule is put together, depending on the league and, and how they do it. Um, it, uh, it's not, I think by design, I think because most, as I said earlier, most, uh, teams and organizations would like to play a regular sort of uh, equal number of games for each monthly period. Mm.
0: By the way, the uh, it's March 13th to 22nd that the, uh, yeah. cr- all the curling uh, championships are being held there in stride place in Portage. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about Portage right <laughs> now. They are in first place. They are nine and one through 10 games. Way si Capo Steinbeck, Swan Valley rounding out the top four. Uh, not really surprising that Portage has maintained the form that we saw from them last year
2: yeah you know it's always difficult to to predict but i mean obviously that team in particular had a very good year last year and they i think had a, a fair number of players returning so i think it would have been expected that they would have gotten off to a good start and certainly looks as though that's been the case and um they uh you know as you mentioned uh you know had, had a good year last year so you know i i think it's uh uh, it's hard to believe she we've already you know a sixth of the way through the season. this seems like we just started but uh once uh, once the season starts it just kind of takes uh takes a uh, 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 an identity of its own uh, and uh and moves right along so uh it's uh it's been pretty exciting so far that's for sure
0: now Winnipeg has played more games rarely than any other team but Uh, Reese Rayside is in first place right now with nine goals. He has the goal-scoring lead. He's an 0-3 born. He's a rookie. What does that say about his skill that he's been able to, you know, again, with 13 games, he's played more games, but a rookie right now is first in scoring in the MJHL.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, uh, that hasn't happened in quite some time, and I I don't even know when the last time it was um, where we had probably the youngest or one of the youngest players in the league leading... Uh, leading in the scoring race, Uh, it's certainly been quite some time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great testament to uh, this young uh, player's ability to, uh, you know, to to get off to a great start and and, uh, obviously he's got some offensive abilities And uh, it's great to see. And I I think that'll obviously that'll help his club and help him individually. But uh, it helps to draw uh, uh, interest to our league as well from uh, from scouts and from, uh, you know, people that are looking to uh, uh, add players uh, that they that, that can advance to higher levels of hockey. Any surprises so far in the season? Oh gosh, um, you know, I mean, uh, I knew that the season was going to be a, a competitive one, and I think we've got that. I mean, you mentioned the four top teams that are really tight and really close. We've got uh, you know a bunch of others that are kind of bunched in the middle or just below that are that are also very close. So I think that that's gonna that's been the theme for quite a number of years now. You know, some of the the names have changed in terms of who's in what position in the standings, but we've had very much uh, that same sort of style of, of, uh, of competitiveness and format in our league for quite a number of years. And, and I, I knew that it was going to be like that this year again as well. And obviously, we've still got lots of hockey left to play this year. But uh, no, I, I wouldn't say any real surprises, no. I mean, um, you know, we, we um, at the league office, we're in touch with the teams through the course of the, of the off season, And even though we don't talk really specifically about about players or anything of that nature, we we get a bit of a sense for how well they're doing in terms of preparing for the upcoming season, and and so I knew that that this that season that 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 has started now was going to be a good one and and a competitive one, which is sure is certainly uh, showing to be the case.
0: Well, Kim, I appreciate your time as always. Thanks for joining me, and uh, we'll catch up later in the season.
2: You're welcome, Christian. Thanks. Always great to chat with you. Thank you.
0: Last night in Toronto, Canada's national men's soccer team did something it had not done in 34 years. It defeated the U.S. Alphonso Davies, Lucas Cavallini in the second half propelled Canada to the victory, which has soccer fans in this country buzzing and fans south of the border super, super upset. Because this isn't supposed to happen. Canada's a hockey country. I mean, we're also, you know, a tennis country, Bianca and Drescu, But it did happen. And here to share more on why this is such a big deal is the pride of Blindside Ontario, Marty Thompson with CanPL.ca. And Marty, as a big soccer fan, how much did you enjoy last night's win? A
3: lot, I would say. I mean, as, as someone who works in, in Canadian soccer media, it's hard not to be um, happy with the result. But yeah, I, I mean, I, look, I, I was responsible. But, uh, but yeah, it, w- it was nice to see, I guess.
0: <laughs> were you expecting this result?
3: Um, I think I was, a, I definitely was a little bit, um, going into the game. I think maybe some of your listeners, listeners already know the sort of the, the, the new Canada under John Herdman and the promises that, that he has made and the, the, the talent obviously Alphonso Davies, Jonathan David, Junior Hoylett, all these players. And the idea that they haven't really faced a team that, that is realistically, you know, that they can compete with. That's good. And, I think that the expectation was that it was going to be a close game, but I mean, I guess considering how, how it played out on the field is I was surprised at how well Canada played against the U S
0: does this say more about Canada or the U S or is it big for both in in different ways?
3: <laughs> yeah. You, you sound like a Canadian soccer Twitter right now. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's definitely more of, um, more indicative of Canada's skill because you watch that game back in the system that Canada played where they had Davies and Jonathan David, two teenagers, two uh, teenagers that are in form and playing quite well, but they were playing as a front two. And the way that they were able to just suffocate the U.S. at times and, uh, and really play um, to their strengths, I think, and, and create a lot of the chances they had um, from the U.S. point of view, I think that they're obviously in a huge transition period, but I don't know. They've they had a player from, you know, they've got Christian Pulisic is, is there. They've got good talent, but um, I'd say it probably is more on the Canadian
0: side. But. Looking at this being the first win over the U.S. in 34 years, which is just astounding that it's taken that long to beat the Americans. Is this then the biggest win Canada has had in the last three decades? Actually,
3: yeah, well, I would. I wouldn't say maybe in the last three decades because there were. Um, there was obviously the, the World Cup, and then there were a couple runs in, in the Gold Cup, and 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 when they got close in the in World Cup qualifying. But definitely in the last ten years, we looked back on it, and um, for context, by winning these, winning this game, and potentially getting another point against the U.S. Um, in in the in the next match here in the Nations League, Canada could qualify for the Hex, which is sort of the 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 shortcut, uh, if you will, to World Cup Cup qualifying. So by doing this, this is essentially getting as far or farther than Canada failed to do previously, if that makes any sense. So in that context, I'd say definitely the biggest in 10 years. Um, Yeah, definitely, definitely the biggest in 10
0: years. And looking at the World Cup, because ultimately that's how nations measure themselves in this game, Canada is going to be part of the hosting for 2026 and you know, we're going to qualify for that, but this team, this program has every intention of trying to get in, in 2022. Do you think they have a realistic shot? Are they good enough to? Uh, I
3: think that they do because when you get into the hex, you need to be, you know, top three or top four, which means you need to beat the Honduras, the Costa Ricas um, of the world. Canada has uh, maybe a checkered pass against Honduras for, for those in the know. Uh, Back in 2012, they lost 8-1 in quite a tragic way. But I think that if they're able to beat the U.S. the way that they have on home soil, and if you're you're able to win your games at home in CONCACAF, because it's very difficult to travel to a place like Honduras and Costa Rica, but if they're able to beat the U.S. at home, I think that this is potentially the best um, indication that they are able to compete and at least maybe get uh, behind the U.S. and Mexico uh, in a 16 group. And yeah. Who knows? Potentially. We'll see in a couple of years, I guess.
0: And for those who don't know or haven't followed Canadian soccer too closely over the years, what are some, uh, you, you mentioned Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, are they like the two huge difference makers for Canada? And we're going to hear these names a lot over the next number of years.
3: Yes, certainly. Um, these are two kids that Davies' story is maybe a little bit better told than Jonathan David, where he, David grew up in Ottawa, got picked up, um, by uh, a team in Belgium, and now he's scoring. He's got a goal for, uh, pretty much a goal per game rate uh, in in uh, in Belgium and then also for the national league, or national team. Like, Bel- David is essentially halfway to breaking the Canadian all-time scoring record, and he's 18. He only just made his first cap, like, or only got his first cap um, last year. So these are definitely the two names, but there's tons of good young talent there. Lucas Cavallini scored last night. Samuel Piquet had a great game. Derek Cornelius, at the centre-back. There are tons of good young players, but those are definitely the two.
0: And uh, before I let you go, just in your role as uh, a writer for Canadian Premier League, what have you thought of the inaugural season as we're getting close to the end of it?
3: It's been a lot of fun to, uh, to watch this. I mean, growing up, if you were a supporter of the Canadian national team and Canadian soccer, to, to imagine a day where you know you're going to have a team from Hamilton play a team from Calgary in a, in a league final, and then also have Canada beat the U S pretty much, you know, weeks apart. I think that, that any um, soccer fan at that point would, would would be really happy. But honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with how the league has gone so far. Valor has been fantastic. I should, we should mention them. I think Um, the crowds, there have been excellent. Marco Bustos is an incredible player, Petrasso as well. They've got a lot of talent and I'm really looking forward to next year um, but yeah, I think the Leafs has been going uh, quite well, if you ask me.
0: I've been to a, a few Valor games, and yeah, the, the final game is is on right now. A final home game, I should say, against York. Uh, what have you noticed from other crowds across the country? For those that maybe, you know, they've been to some home games but haven't tuned in to the the road crowds. How does Valor's chanting stack up against the rest of the country?
3: Oh, well, that's a good question. I think that they, I think the trenches is pretty, pretty good. It's It's definitely high up there. I think some of the other competitive uh, teams in, in, in that or supporters in that realm would be your Halifax Wanderers where, you know, they pack a tiny stadium. Well, I guess it's 6,000. It's really not tiny, but um, like right in downtown Halifax. And it's so loud. But yeah, whenever Winnipeg comes on, especially, I remember that first game mm. against Edmonton in May, May 4th. Yeah, That was so loud because, yeah, you remember the crowd across across the one side at IG Field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely some of the loudest.
0: I'm looking forward to uh, seeing yeah, where this league goes and definitely to see where Canadian soccer goes. Marty Thompson, I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you very much. Marty Thompson with canpl.ca and also product of Fanshawe College went to school with me for a year and we worked together one summer. So, full disclosure, he's a good guy and he's a big soccer fan and he is uh, very knowledgeable about his soccer. So, Canada. 34 years. That's astonishing. And by the way, just look, uh, if you're looking for a, a fun time and we often as Canadians do like when Americans are suffering at, you know, our hands when we do something to them in sports because you know damn well they, they take pleasure in beating us when they won curling gold and they beat us in hockey. Just go online or on Twitter if you're on Twitter, which again, that's sorry, but look up U.S. soccer and boy, oh boy, are they upset. You're not supposed to lose to Canada. However, they did. So, sorry. Tune into the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?